Welcome to the Witty and Gritty Podcast, where we believe that lifelong learning and relentless determination are essential to developing your passions and reaching your goals. Here to help you along the way are the hosts of the show. Take it away, ladies. Hey, y'all. I'm Brooke. And I'm Farron. As educators and high achievers, we're passionate about providing our listeners with effective strategies to help navigate life's obstacles and reach your goals sooner. Join us as we break down credible research that gives you a fresh perspective and challenges your limiting beliefs. Laugh and grow as we share personal anecdotes and interviews from people that have demonstrated what it takes to be successful. By implementing these practices, you will develop your unique skill set and learn how to better serve your community. Get your mind right. And enjoy this time designed just for you. Okay, we're on episode 90 of the Get Out of Your Head mini-series by Jenny Allen, and it's all about stopping the spiral of toxic thoughts. And we are in our second of three interviews. And the interviews are always my favorite. Yeah, I said it first. You beat me to it. So now you can't say Interviews are also my favorite. Nope. Oh, most... Morstest is the new one. That's the new one my kids came up with. So, So more most Morstest. Today on the show, we have Tiffany Armstrong. She is a self-defense expert, and uh, she does have a couple of black belts under her belt. This is too punny. So, why don't you introduce yourself to us, Tiff? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I do have a couple secondary black belts under my belt, (laughs) and I don't show them all the time, but I would if I needed to. So, But yes, I am a self-defense expert. I've been teaching women all over the world for 22 years after I survived my own attack 22 years ago uh, with self-defense. And I was not an expert back then. I just had literally seen somebody show me three self-defense moves. I'd never practiced them. And then I was attacked. And I actually was able to get out of that attack, put that guy in prison, I happened to break his nose as we were discussing earlier and um, and he went off to prison and I survived and I, I ended up making it my mission to uh, just help women and, you know, children, men too, I've been teaching men as well um, for all these years because uh, there's just so much about uh, personal safety that we don't realize, but it can actually be quite simple. So that's what I stand for. I love that. So today we're going to talk about overcoming and combating those negative toxic thoughts or a mindset, how your mindset matters and how you can use your body and mind to overcome those limiting beliefs and be more confident. And if necessary, use some black belt action. Mm -hmm. That's right. And there's a whole bunch of mindset I teach for that exact reason, just based on how attackers choose their victims. Our mindset is so important to be able to be wiped or or wipe ourselves off that victim list. So I'm excited to get into all of it with you guys. Okay, so take us back to the beginning. Um, Maybe how you happened upon those self-defense moves prior to that attack. Yeah, well, I weighed about 35 pounds heavier. I was in a kickboxing class, just working out my, uh, you know, anger. I'm just joking, but I was... Picking out, I was just trying to lose some weight and the dojo owner ended up coming in at the end when we were all stretching and he said, you know, you guys want to learn a few self-defense moves? And we said, absolutely. So he literally just showed a few self-defense concepts, um, which I can share if you'd like me to, but um, I, uh, you know, never practiced them. And two weeks later, I happened to be attacked. A home invader came into my friend's house and pulled me into the bathroom and I can, I can show that as much as you want to, but, um, but I was, 
he was, he meant, he meant business. And, um, it was the scariest thing I've ever been through, but all I could think about is, oh my gosh, I saw these three self-defense moves, these concepts, uh, two weeks before. And all I could think about is I need to stay conscious because he was hitting my head so hard and I needed to attempt these moves. And so I attempted them. They worked. He went off to prison. I'm still here to talk about it. Now I'm helping women all over the world, women, kids, and men. So I'm assuming it was, um, but correct me if I'm wrong, that after that attack, next day you're like, I'm going to be an expert in self-defense. Or what was that process like recovering physically, mentally, emotionally? And then did this spur your passion that you have today for self-defense? You know, I love that question because no, not one ounce of me was like, oh, this is my new mission. I was more in severe paranoia. Uh, for about two years, actually, I was walking down the street and any man who looked in my direction, I wasn't like, you know, you better not mess with me. I was more like, even though I was learning self-defense skills, I was still extremely paranoid. Um, and I, I had lived in victim mentality my entire life. That's just the reality. I, I was abused growing up for many, many years. Um, and then I was attacked. And the interesting part of my attack, to kind of piggyback on what you were just asking, is so this guy came in, he was a home invader. He snuck into the bathroom um, and he attacked me. And I ended up, you know, doing the three moves, breaking his nose. He went off to prison. But the craziest part for me was when the police came, they said he was wanted for two rapes and an attempted homicide. And they went out to the, you know, the they put him in the back of the squad car. And then one of the police officers came back in after I had given my statement and all the things. And he said, I want to tell you something. And I said, what's that? And he said, he told me something very interesting and I think it's important for you to hear. And I said, what's that? And he said, he chose you out of everybody there. There was about 12 of us there. And I said, what do you mean he chose me? He just was in the bathroom. I was walking by, like, how did he know to pull me in? You know, I just was, it seemed like a crime of opportunity to me. And he said, no, he was standing outside the house for 30 minutes, 60 minutes, whatever it was. And he was watching us and he chose me as his victim. And I was not the most attractive person. I was homely looking, you know what I mean? All the things. So it wasn't an attractive thing, which is what I didn't understand. I thought attackers chose like attractive people, honestly, back, back in the day, I thought that's how that worked. Uh, what's the reality. And I can get into an actual study that talks about the mindset and how attackers choose their victims. But one of the things that he ended up saying was um, he chose me because I looked like the easiest victim because I was extremely insecure back then. I carried myself with my breastbone down. I was, you know, just very uh, not confident in who I was. And he said to the police officers, she looked like the easiest target because I knew she wouldn't fight back. That's what he was assuming about me because of the vibe I was giving off. He picked me by looking at me through a window for that long. And so I immediately, that is something I did immediately start researching is how attackers choose their victims. I started studying the field of victimology. And uh, would you like me to talk about that study real quickly? Cause it's fascinating. So these researchers went into a prison and they asked all these convicted criminals uh, to sit down one by one and watch this video of people walking down the busy streets of New York. And they asked one question. They said, who would you choose as victims? And all these criminals, one by one, without hesitation, said, I would pick that one, 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 that one. I mean, they all said almost the exact same people, every single criminal. And so then, of course, they ask, you know, well, how did you choose their victims? Like, how did you choose those people? Okay. And there's two main reasons. Number one, 
It's that the person was distracted and that's the most common one. That's the one we would all assume. So please, your listeners, everybody listening, take those earbuds out because they target you based on that. If you can't hear, you can't hear them coming and uh, they will target you based on having distractions, your head and your phone, earbuds in, all that stuff. But the second thing was the shocking one for me. Uh, and this was me. This is why my attacker chose me was that it the person, the people that they chose, that the fact that they already looked like a victim. It's that they already looked like they were in victim mentality. You know, they were overwhelmed looking. Um, they had their breastbone down, you know, like we're, when we drop our breastbone and we slouch, we tend to come up with words like, you know, I'm exhausted, I'm distracted, I'm powerless. And then when we sit up and lift our chin a little bit with the words powerful, unstoppable, all those types of things, that's exactly the vibe we give off to a potential attacker as well. And so when they see somebody on this video walking and they just look defeated, they walk slow, they look at the ground. Um, if somebody bumps into them, they look kind of startled versus like poofed up and confident, um, making eye contact versus not making eye contact. So it is just the basics of giving off a vibe that you're confident and that that gives off the vibe then that you have enough self-worth to fight for yourself. So that is it's a most powerful thing. If I could just literally leave your listeners with one thing from today, I would say, even if you're an insecure person, even if you struggle with your own mindset and self-worth, because that's what I did till four years ago, still walk with your breastbone up, make that confident eye contact. And there's a big difference between when you say hi to somebody, you know, you don't want to say hi, like people pleasery, because that's what I always did. I'm still very sweet, but I'm not a people pleaser anymore. Instead, you want to give off that vibe and you want to say something with confidence and say, hello. You know, there's just a different vibe you're tossing out there. Like, hello, I see you and don't, don't mess with me. Thank you so much. You know what I mean? So we want to just walk with that confident vibe. And that is the one thing, as you were asking, the aftermath of my attack. Even though I was extremely paranoid, I walked with that confident vibe. In, inside, I was insecure. I was scared. But I really quickly came to find out that if I'm walking down the street looking scared of everybody, I was actually way more likely to be re-attacked, attacked again, uh, versus if I walked with confidence and looked confident. So there you go. That's the aftermath of my attack. I was scared beyond belief. I had extreme problems with my self-worth still for many years, which I can get into at some point, but, but I put on that cloak of confidence <laughs> as long as I needed to until that felt like home to me. I love that you said that even though you weren't feeling it, you still did it anyway because you know that was going to help you. So I know that there's a bunch of times we don't feel like working out. We don't feel like reading our Bible. We don't feel like being nice to someone. But if we're doing that, even just something as simple as fixing your posture, that's going to eventually creep into your subconscious, which I love that you brought that up. Absolutely. You know, one of my favorite things is I have a sticky note on my bathroom mirror and every morning I see it and it says, Tiffany, I actually wrote my full name there, Tiffany, comma, do what you say you're going to do today. Because that is one of those things that we, I recommit every single day to walking in that confident posture, being a kind person, doing what I'm going to say, you know, what I want to do with my mission, um, not being rude to somebody who's rude to me, all that good stuff. So, and doing the workouts like you mentioned. <laughs> So take us in the next step. You, you started with your posture and walking from there. What were the next steps or what direction did you go next? 
So I did jump into uh, martial arts, self-defense type of thing. So I actually went and got my two different second degree black belts. And one of them specifically is in street smart self-defense. And I found it so fascinating um, that there's a whole bunch of actually things missing in self-defense um, when it comes to dealing with the reality. So I interviewed police forces. I interviewed everybody I could. I studied those two different types of martial arts that I learned, those are the ones I have my black belts in. But I've also studied a whole bunch of different ones because each of them have their specialties. The ones that I learned, if you got thrown to the ground and somebody was on top of you, no clue what to do. So I went and studied all these different types and I ended up kind of making, in a sense, a, a mesh of the ones that work best for even a petite woman because the shorter the woman, the less leverage we have. So if I could teach a little itty bitty woman to do it, then you know the large man I'm teaching is gonna do it in a, in a heartbeat. So I went and started studying all these different martial arts. I also studied uh, with the police forces to understand how attacks actually really happen because I don't wanna just blow fluff up people's buns, you know? And I really want people to understand, okay, here's, here's the reality. But I also don't believe in teaching based on fear. You know, I teach, I teach in my high heels because I was wearing heels when I was attacked, right? So we need to understand how to use them. Um, but doing it in a feminine way, doing it in a light way, and actually laughing and enjoying uh, as you learn self-defense is so important. So I, to answer your question, I started diving into martial arts, but really kind of also understanding what was missing in the self-defense world so I can bring it to women, um, you know, all over the world, especially those women who don't have access to self-defense in different countries. So um, yeah, I dove in, I did make it my mission. It's always been a side mission of mine. I always had a career until a couple of years ago where I made this my soul's mission. And I've, I've been uh, doing it full-time, more than full-time because um, I just cannot sit by and watch people, especially in my life. I know a couple of people not too long ago who got attacked, uh, aggressively attacked. And I just need, I have my heart, my soul's mission. I feel very led to get this in people's hands. That's what I love about what you specifically do. Because anyone can just go learn self-defense or Google a how-to video. But you talk about the mindset behind everything and the confidence and how to combat paranoia or those negative thoughts. So you talk about how to stop those thoughts. So can you walk us through like what exactly or your advice or things you actually do to stop those thoughts and how can you channel that into being more positive, more confident and carrying yourself better? Yeah. You know, I think some, a couple of my favorite um, mindset things that I've ever gone through was one, I am, I am a recovered people please um, because I just could not say no to people in the past. And that is one of the situations there, there's five and I won't get into all five, but there are five main things that you, where you can actually predict a violent perpetrator. You can predict their behavior just by their behavior. One of them is persistence. So when somebody, you know, asks you to do something, you know, hey, just let me have this one dance. Oh, come on. Are you serious? Come on. Let me, and they just are persistent, persistent, persistent. If they want to help you with your groceries to your vehicle and they just keep insisting after you've said no, you have to cut it and walk away. And so you have to set those boundaries. And so one of the biggest things that helped me, I know this sounds so funny, but it's the no challenge where I actually was challenged by one of my life coaches. I always have a coach in my life. Um, one of my life coaches to say no to every single request that's made of me for two whole weeks. 
And then if you really want to come back around and, and say yes, like, you know, you get invited to an event, you get offered water by the waitress, they, oh, you know, in a very graceful, gracious way, you say no to every single request. Obviously it works a little bit different, but you do that and then you come back around and say, you know what, on second thought, I would love that water. Or on second thought, you know what, I can make that event. It was the most mind blowing two weeks of my life because I was almost crippled with fear about it, especially with certain people in my life where I, I was intimidated by them. Uh, I had a boss at the time who was a powerful woman and I was very intimidated by her and anything she asked me to do, I said yes. And so for two weeks, I had to tell her no. And so I either said, I had three options. I said, you know what? I'm actually um, very booked for two weeks. So either we could wait two weeks for me to do that or you can take it on or we could outsource it, but whatever works best for you. So I gave her three options and she said, oh, you know what? Yeah, we could wait two weeks, no problem. And it was like, oh my gosh, because I was very busy um, or productive, I, I like to say. I don't like the word busy, but um, I really do. Uh, it was fascinating to watch this woman in my life um, who we always kind of had a wall up between us. Over those two weeks, she actually skyrocketed her respect for me. I was shocked by it because I actually thought she would be upset me and come to find out in hindsight and she and I've discussed this she never fully trusted me even though I was the sweetest person all the things she never fully actually trusted me because I was such a people pleaser I wasn't authentic I wasn't genuine I was literally telling her whatever she wanted to hear in order for her to like me and if, if you don't consider that a manipulation you should right because as people pleasers we're not vindictive we're not mean we're not you know looking to hurt somebody but I am trying to say everything nice to her to manipulate her into liking me, okay? So that was one of the best lessons I've ever had was when I actually started saying no, people respected me way more and I ended up respecting myself so much more and it wipes you off the attacker list of so many victim, or attackers, would-be attackers. So I would say the boundaries, non-emotional healthy boundaries, not these, you know, a lot of times we start getting into the boundary talk and people, these women um, who are just a little insecure about setting boundaries, we get feisty about it. And we're like, no, I'm not doing that. You know, you get a little feisty and intense about it. And that's not coming from a healthy minded place either. Right. So just, a, you know, oh, thank you so much. It's just not going to work for me or it's not an alignment for me at the moment. Thank you for thinking of me. You know, just some super simple, non-emotional, healthy boundaries and being able to say no. That was one of the biggest things that broke me out of my victim mentality myself. So along with the toxic thoughts, you talked about boundaries, having healthy boundaries. We did a, a, a whole mini series on vulnerability and making sure you're setting yourself up for success that way by having healthy boundaries with vulnerability. Um, so what are some other things like it? Talk a, a little bit about how you were stuck in your head, whether it's paranoia or trying to recover from what you had to recover from. What were some things either you you told yourself, like, did you have declarations? Did you seek a group? Like, what did you do to kind of help get you out of that? Along yeah. with your research and everything. Yeah, that's a fantastic question. You know, it was definitely a progression for me because it was not overnight. And I, I'm very open about the fact that I was abused as a child and then I was attacked. And then I ended up getting into two abusive marriages, which I will tell you, like thinking back to that, I am a whole different person. There's no way in, in heck that I would ever let somebody treat me like that again, uh, because I understand my own self-worth finally. So 
one of the things was really understanding uh, reading books about why I was attracting that type of man in my life in the first place. And there's a book called uh, Facing Love Addiction by Pia Melody. And I was a complete love addict. I was literally more scared of somebody abandoning me about of me being alone than dying because my ex-husband shot a gun at me and he did a whole bunch of other horrible things. And I still stayed with him because I was more scared to be alone. And my fear of abandonment was so high that I would have rather died. And it was just nuts for me to finally come to that realization. And um, so with that, I did a lot of work around fear of abandonment. So I just read a lot of books, listened to different podcasts forever ago. Um, I don't have any off the top of my head, but uh, just really understanding and digging into where fear of abandonment comes up for us and um, stepping out of that, you know, and I was really stuck in victim mentality. We have as humans, human needs. Okay. So, and we we're going to get a met somehow, either it's going to be in a resourceful, healthy way or an unresourceful, toxic way. Right. So a couple of uh, just a, an example of that, because this is why I was stuck in victim mentality is and how I broke out of it. We have love and connection. So we all want to love and connect with people, right? And then we have significance where significance sounds like a egotistical thing, but actually significance is like we all want to feel unique and special in some way. Okay. So significance doesn't have to be a yucky thing. And then we have certainty and control certainty and then variety and uncertainty. So, um, you know, the people who travel all over the world and they could just pick up and go, they have a high, high need for variety. So let's just talk about... Um, the love and connection uh, side of things. And this was this was my top need, but I was meeting in an unresourceful way and it was keeping me in victim mentality. So basically um, one of the ways I, I would do a pity party for myself, right? I'd feel bad, I would always be sick. I was always feeling bad for myself. Um, when I would talk to my friends, I was the friend who was like, oh, you know, I would always help everybody else. But then I'd always come back to me and be like, you know, I just, you know, you know I was attacked, right? You know, like I would just go right into my pity party. I can't believe that happened to me. And all, what would I get though? I would get love and connection from people. They were like, oh, Tiff, oh, it's okay. And they'd give me hugs, loves, compliments, all the things. Well, I was getting my need for love and connection met. But is that a resourceful way of me being toxic and negative? negative Nancy over here, right? That's not how it is. Instead, um, I started working so hard on my own self-worth and, you know, settling my fear of abandonment and all the things. But I also understood that concept that it's like, okay, that's how I was getting my need for love and connection met in an unresourceful, toxic way. We all have those people in our lives who are pity parties. Just know that they're getting love and connection um, through in a negative way, right? We all have those people and that's draining for us. That's the reality. I was a drain on people. So instead, I really came to the realization, I wrote a whole list of how can I get love and connection in a resourceful way, that I still get that need met, but I'm not looking for people to pity party with me and feel bad for me and all that. That was a huge breakthrough for me to think, okay, what are all my needs? What are all the needs? How am I reading each in an unresourceful way? How am I reading each in a resourceful way? And I want to do more of that. I want to do, I want to meet my needs in a more resourceful way. Um, significance, you can meet that in a resourceful way by giving to charity, or you can meet it in an unresourceful way by putting a gun in somebody's face and you're instantly significant, right? That was one of my biggest shifts that I've ever had. So in the Get Out of Your Head book, Jenny Allen talks about three things that we feel. So we don't want to feel worthless. We don't want to feel helpless and we don't want to feel unlovable. 
And so she combats that by like, what are the biblical truths there? So you're obviously not worthless because you're significant. You're not helpless because you're here for a purpose and you are not unlovable. Obviously you're loved because Jesus died on the cross for you. So I love how you came up with what to do by journaling. And I like how you actually physically wrote down ways that would help you and that are productive and good. And then you also compared it to a non-example. So I think a lot of times we maybe could come up with some good examples, but not necessarily non-examples. And even just the little daily things that we do that don't seem like they're making that big of an impact, but they really are because they're unchecked. And then over time, you're like, oh, wow, okay, this is an issue. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think journaling is so powerful for us to just really, um, you know, digest our day, digest our feelings and really be able to process. Uh, I'm a huge fan of journaling and also uh, meditation, prayer, all the things that has us just take that step back and look at ourselves almost with some childlike curiosity, take the emotion out of it. And you just kind of take a step back as if you're looking at you know, a friend and you just, um, you know, can take that uh, big picture view and understand that uh, there's, there's some very simple things that we can celebrate as wins. And there's certain, certain things that we can create shifts around. Well said. Well, we are about to wrap up the interview, but I always like to ask our interviewees um, it, if there's anything that you really want our audience to walk away with that maybe we haven't set you up for one big thought that you want to be sure is driven home tonight? You know, I would say, um, even if you're struggling with your own self-worth, even if you are struggling on some level, you know, where you put out that you're strong to the world, but behind closed doors, you're really struggling. I want you to know you're not alone. I did that for years and years and years where I felt incongruent, where everybody thought I was so strong, but I was a mess behind closed doors. I want you to know that we all struggle behind closed doors, even the people who look like they really, really have their stuff together. They have their days, they have their moments. And I really, one of the things, the the lessons I've given myself, one of the challenges I've given myself is on those rough days. Sometimes I let myself take six hours, take eight hours and just feel horrible. I eat all of the stuff. I watch, binge watch horrible TV, you know, whatever it is but I actually set a timer on my phone. And when that timer goes off, I force myself to shift. So I shift my posture, eat something healthy, uh, call and connect with someone, pray, all the things that help pull you out of that struggle. But sometimes we just need to not feel shame around the emotions that go up and down in our lives uh, because they're going to happen. I don't care who it is. We all have it. Believe me. Sometimes I'm not the prettiest behind closed doors with myself. You know what I mean? I'm just a cryy mess or a mad or whatever else. It's just reality. Don't feel shame about it. Don't feel guilt and just let yourself feel that way. Set the timer on your phone and then pull yourself up by your bootstraps and, and pull yourself out of it because you're meant to make an impact in this world. And we can't do that when we're suffering, when we're staying in our suffer. Well said. So where can obviously people need more of you? So where can we find you on the internet? What kind of resources do you have or offer? So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, tiffanyarmstrong.net is the easiest way to find me. Um, And I have different online self-defense and personal safety courses. I also have like what I discussed in this uh, session with you guys. Um, I actually have a, a 
online uh, personal development course called Leveling Up, Your Mind is Your Most Powerful Weapon. And it takes you through 12 steps. Uh, one is the finding out your six human needs. One is, you know, a whole, a whole bunch of things. And um, it just, it's what took me from being a total mess in life to who I am today, honestly. Uh, it's my favorite lessons. So that's called leveling up. Uh, but otherwise, you know, just checking out my website. You can find me on um, Instagram at Tiffany underscore D underscore Armstrong. And I am so responsive. So any questions you have about personal development, mindset, self-defense, personal safety, I will get right back to you and love on you. I love it. Instagram people go to her Instagram and follow it because something I love that you do, Tiffany, is that you give really easy, quick tips that are easy to remember and they make sense and it's easily, easily applicable. So if anyone just wants to scroll through your Instagram, you're automatically going to learn quick self-defense tips or just practical, actionable things you can do to keep you and the people you love safe. So I love that. And who knows? It could save your life, right? Like For real. Tiffany had those three things and it, it saved it. We also have several realtors who are listeners and you offer something specific for realtors, right? Where you talk about that? I do. Yeah, I do. I actually have a the Savvy Real Estate Agent Self-Defense. It's a, a 12 video personal safety um, course that I offer and it is very specific to agents. I've been specializing in agent safety for 15 years and uh, because they're attacked 40% more often than any other um, than most other professions, I should say. So they're in such unique situations. It holds my heart to them. So, um, but yeah, and then I do safety programs for uh, agents where I actually go into the brokerage and the firm and, and teach them. Sounds like a tax write-off, friends. Maybe you should uh, listen to that. <laughs> hint, hint. So, I love that. Perfect. Okay, listeners, we hope you love this episode as much as we do. If you want to learn those three moves or anything like that, you need to check out her website. Yeah, go kick some butt. <laughs> <laughs> We help busy Christian women get the growth they want by giving them the tools they need in order to have happier, healthier lives. We love providing our Christian-based personal growth podcast to our listeners at no cost. If you are enjoying the content, please consider supporting our mission by donating to our Patreon. We're a small team creating the show for our community by researching, recording, and producing the episodes ourselves. Any amount is greatly appreciated. Your support will help offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you can receive exclusive access. For more details on specific membership tiers, visit our Patreon page. Go to patreon.com forward slash witty and gritty. We've included the link in the show notes.